Hey there, everybody. Welcome. Highfalutin Ski Bum Podcast, episode number 102. It is your pals, Mario and Brian. Mario, what's up? Uh, what's up, what's up? It's hard to keep track now. It's 101. Like, once we go over 100, it's like, what? How do we keep track of this? 102. 102 episodes we have done of this. Wow. It's three, three, uh, three positions. We can't just go with two numbers anymore. We've got to have the third number. Triple digits, baby. Triple digits. I like it. Yeah. So thank you guys so much for listening. We really do appreciate it. Check us out, skibumpodcast.com. You have all of our info there, past episodes. Also instructions on how to rate and subscribe to us. That would be great if you did that as well. You can also check us out on the socials, twitter.com slash skibumpodcast, instagram.com slash podcast. Facebook.com slash podcast. We are on Pinterest as Highfalutins and on SoundCloud as highfalutin skibum. So check us out in all those places. But first, it's time for our pray today. That's right. Actually, one quick thing before our pray today, I want to say. Give a shout out and say thank you to the Ski Utah folks. Uh, I was at the Ski Utah event with our pal Rich from All About Apre in New York City last week. And they put on a wonderful, a wonderful uh, event. They had all kinds of, uh, they had chocolatiers, they had um, High West Distillery, they had uh, Uinta and Park City Breweries and plenty of food and drinks. And it was a dynamite event. So thank you nice. to all the folks who were there. It was a wonderful time. Hopefully we will get some interviews with some of the folks in the upcoming weeks. Been uh, reaching out to some people and could get some good insight as uh, to some resorts out in Utah. So stay tuned for that. And thanks Rich, for dragging that bum out there with you. Yes, yeah, seriously. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So to start off operate today, um, I am doing the uh, the healthy thing today. I got a little Synergy Organic Kombucha, the Trilogy flavor. Um, right. That's one of the more palatable kombuchas. It is. It's like a little bit of what? There's some sort of juice that it has in there. It does have juice. It's like a like raspberry. cranberry, raspberry or something in it. Yeah. It's uh, If anybody's starting to get into kombucha, this is the one you want to start with. Um, the raw it one have is too much sugar, but it's a little bit of something to make yeah. it palatable. It's more like a soft drink. Like, you know, you have it, it's like a little bit sweet, a little bit, you know, bitter. So you get the kombucha flavor, but this will get you into it. And bottom line is it's so good for you. So trying to do the good thing while I up my workout and get ready for the ski season and, uh, get settled in down here in, uh, sunny Florida. So look at you. And I've been eating pie almost every day for the last three weeks and drinking every day for the last two knows how many freaking months. Nice. Well, yeah. I'm still drying up from the, from the months before leaving uh, New Jersey. <laughs> um, and uh, I tell you what, I'm drying out. I'm working out again. And uh, I've just been in pain and sore probably for like the last three weeks, just, uh, just beating my body up, which is but in a good way. So, What sort of stuff have you been doing exercise-wise? So I got a trainer and we've been working on uh, stuff to strengthen my upper body because I've had uh, injuries to my ribs and shoulders. 
So I'm kind of trying to get those back into shape, especially as we get into ski season. My lower body's pretty good, but like I'm doing stuff like I'm doing the sled pushes, um, doing a lot of the, um, you know, self body weight stuff. Um, a lot of core mixed core exercises, balance ball stuff. So it's not a lot of heavy weights and it's not a lot of just doing like squats. It's doing a lot of balance, uh, oriented, um, you know, not so heavy weight stuff, a lot of core work. Mm -hmm. So, uh, that, that should help with, uh, balance and skiing and everything. So, uh, but just overall strengthening of, of the whole body. So, you know, I still do my spin and I went out for like a, 30 mile bike ride on Saturday, which was nice. Um, still doing my squats and stairs and stuff like that, but, uh, I'm working all this other stuff in too. So it's also why I'm a little bit sore. <laughs> nice, but it's good stuff. Uh, I, I like it. I think I want to, I might go to training a few days a week. We'll see. Depending, depending on how I, how, uh, adventurous I feel. We'll see. <laughs> Very cool. Yeah. So we'll we do an episode too, uh, about, preseason training we, we, we were overdue we should have had one a few weeks ago but it's been you know kind of chaotic with all the stuff we had going on lately moving and babies yeah. and all that stuff but yeah uh maybe we can do an episode coming up about but, some getting stuff into shape in the last couple of weeks before ski season starts yeah i tell you what, what what hurts you is as you get older you get an injury and you don't realize like especially if you haven't injured that part of your body before like rehabbing is really important you know and because it, it affects every other every other thing you do too. So, yeah. So what do you got for our pre-ski today? Our so, today? I came across this delicious beer. It was, it was given to me uh, last weekend by mm. my wife's cousin who, so shout out to, to Nick. He, uh, he, uh, his wife works at two roads brewing up in Connecticut and he always has connections and some really awesome beer. So he gave me two cans of Treehouse's Bright, which is a delicious Citra double IPA. And I was reading Pace Magazine had their top, I think top 50 double IPAs. And I think this made the top five or 10. Really? So it's pretty legit. Yeah. Uh, according to the website, this batch of Bright was created to be a clean and elegant showcase for a notoriously delicious hop, Citra. It's crafted with a simple malt bill and fermented with clean American ale yeast to create a flavor profile that is more a function of its vibrant, fresh ingredients than an expression of yeast character. Yeah, you got a little bit of like a lot, a lot of like in that citrusy uh, fruit flavor, grapefruit, orange, tangerine, uh, it's really light. It's really flavorful. The smell when you like pop the can open, like it has that big, intense, you know, New England IPA smell to it. It's it's wow. really nice. I mean, it is a double. It's seven point eight, but it drinks really light. Um, it's it's almost like that. You know, like if you're using heady topper as your base, it's like a lighter, even more citrusier version of that. So really tasty yeah. stuff. Very nice. I am enjoying it. Sounds delicious. Mm -hmm. So I actually had, uh, I was telling you before, I, I kind of had my, uh, a little bit of my apres ski yesterday uh, after hanging out with my brother. We went to uh, Big Storm Brewery and two things I liked about the place, which I didn't notice about last year, is um, 
first they have a mailbox that's made out of a keg, which is, is, is cool looking. I'll have to post a picture <laughs> of that. Uh, it's, it's really cool the way it looks in front of the brewery. Um, second, they have a lot of beers on tap and some of them are really good. I think I talked about them before. And third, they got this incredible man cave. So it's like they got three TVs with the remotes there. So you can just sit there all day if you want, because it's like the second half of the, of the tasting area. So you go in and I guess they clear it out during the day and they move pallets and stuff through there. And then they put all the stuff back, but they have like a little shuffleboard. They have like cornhole, they have life-size Jenga, like the, you know, the one foot, like two by four pieces for Jenga. Um, they had like darts, like everything. I was like, this is really cool. I could hang out here all day. So that was my little opera yesterday. Well, speaking of, of remotes, remember we were out the one time, I think it was up in Killington, and one of our one of our buddies that was out with us, he had a I forget what phone it was, but it had the uh, the infrared on there. I think it was like an HTC or something, and you could change the channels in the TV yeah. with his phone. Awesome. Do you remember that? Yeah, yeah. And they were that just changing channels. Yeah. That's so awesome. It's great. Oh, this one, speaking of which, so I'm in this bar last week watching football, and I'm looking at this guy next to me, and he's holding up his phone in front of a TV, and he's sitting back down. He's got a headphone, you know, he's got headphones in. I'm like, what the hell is he doing? So eventually I asked him, and he showed me the app, Tunity. Have you ever tried that? Tunity. No, what's that? T-U-N-I-T-Y. It's a free app, and you download it. What you do is, if there's a TV playing, so this is great for, like, when you're in a bar with, like, 14 TVs and you got, like, all these football games on. If the football game you, you want to watch isn't, you know, they don't have the audio running either at all because um, sometimes they'll have music or they have a different game audio on, what you do is you hold it up to the TV, it scans the TV, and then tunes in, and you get the sound for that TV you just tuned it's oh, freaking really? awesome because I guess it knows your location and it knows what what is on every channel and it scans through and then it pipes into the audio. So even if you're it, like you could be in a, in a whole thing and you want to watch one, you know, even if you can't see it that well, but you want to get the audio for like a hockey game while everybody's watching football, you tune in the, uh, the thing and you get the you get the audio for it. So it's pretty cool. That's pretty nifty. Yeah. Yeah, and it works. It's not just sports things. It's any TV. So even if there's like a show like CSI was on one of the TVs, so I tuned that in and I was like, holy crap, I'm getting the sound for CSI in the middle of watching like 12 different football games, you know, or six football games. It's crazy. It was great. Nice. So, yeah, you got to check it out. It's uh, definitely, especially if you like going out watching football or if you want to watch, you know. Um, TMZ. TMZ while UFC's playing, you know, on all yeah. the other TVs. Like, you know, you could do that, so. But it was, it was pretty neat. The dude had his headphones in, and he was, like, walking around the bar doing, doing stuff. And I'm like, why does he have his headphones in? And he was listening to, the, uh, to his game while he was, like, going to get food and stuff like that. I was like, this is pretty cool. That guy is the king of the bar. Yeah. I was He's like. It all figured out. Yeah. He was listening to his, uh, I think it was the Cardinals or something like that. I was like, well, I don't know why I listen to Cardinals, but I guess you got to do that to be able to hear him because nobody's putting that. On the, the bar on that game, right? Yeah. That's right. So it's pretty cool. Nice. All right. Next up, we're gonna take a ride. Let's get into the Genjula.
All right. So in honor of uh, the Joe Rogan podcast and the, uh, the the challenge that has been going on for Sober October, we are not going to have a Bean of the Week this week. Sober um, October. Yeah. So, uh, so Joe Rogan and then a few of his buddies, Bert Kreischer, Tom Segura, Ari Shafir, they made a bet with each other. And they all are going to go sober for the month of October. So no booze, no weed, and they all have to do like 15 hot yoga classes. Nice. Yeah. That's um, actually one that's actually good for you. So it's actually not a bad challenge. Right? Yeah. They're all getting like super like extra healthy by doing nice. this. Um, Prolonged life right classes. there. Yeah. It's, it's pretty rough. And, uh, you know, Rogan was talking about like people are like his, you know, they're kind of like break each other's balls on social media and stuff and they you know when they started posting about how joe has to not smoke weed for a month they're like hashtag pray for joe <laughs> that's funny and he was talking about it on one of his podcasts and he was saying how he it it wasn't it's not hard for him to do it but he's saying that his dreams are way different really so like they're way more primal now without the weed like he'll be like you know he'll dream that he's you know chasing something or hunting something or a lot of like, wild animals so huh, wow like, a lot less like lucid and kind of like psychedelic um it's crazy man yeah it's really interesting so well some of those challenges can backfire on you so there was a guy in the ski club i'm not going to name his name uh did a challenge with a bunch of his buddies they couldn't drink any more ipas especially because they were into ipas or beers for like two months so the problem with that is they didn't specify any alcohol. So he just was drinking like straight vodka every time I saw him. <laughs> so it kind of... That'll show him. Yeah, that'll show him. We kind of didn't get him healthier or away from alcohol. It was just got him away from beer. And I'm like, all right. So I see the intent was there, but because of the loophole, you know, you kind of got hooked on something else now. So, Well, what's even worse about that is you probably could lose weight just drinking vodka as opposed to drinking beer. So, yeah, that's true. So you're almost better off having that conclusion than being like, hey, I lost 30 pounds drinking just vodka instead of <laughs> beer in two months. See, the problem is, though, then you start trying to drink the same volume in straight vodka as you were drinking beer. That's where the trade-off is bad. Yeah, that's when things go downhill real quick. <laughs> she gets real. You got to be – that's that's when you, you have to go to meetings afterwards and, like, you know, dry out for a little while. Yeah, that's not, not good fun. for anybody. Yeah, that's – Bad all around. So we don't have a bean of the week this week. What we do have is two pretty good stories. And the first one is just glorious and hysterical. You love this one, don't you? Oh, I love this story. So I don't know if you folks are into Amazon Prime, but I know myself and I believe Mario as well. We're both Prime customers. And I, I got will... stuff getting delivered tomorrow. <laughs> Did you? Oh, do you really? Yeah, I got sneakers. I had to get some Under Armour sneakers for something. Uh, don't ask. I've <laughs> bought the most, yeah, random stuff over the, like ever since being a prime customer for the last couple of years, like I'll, uh, if it can keep me from going to Target or Walmart, which I hate, I will buy it on Amazon. I'll just, like I've bought the most, I bought like uh, for Andrea, we got her like a, a glider. It's like a rocking chair, but it glides instead of rocks. It's like a little more oh yeah, those comfortable are cool. and less like, you know, less, less of a footprint. I bought one of those last week. Nice. Uh, any sort of like, I have an MCT oil subscription. So like every two months I get a tub of MCT oil. Um, nice. I buy, yeah, I've bought stickers. I've bought stuff. I've bought tools. 
Dude, I got down here and I saw my mom's handle to the dryer broke. So she had some little thing on it and that she was using. I'm like, what happened? She's like, the thing just pulled and broke off. I was like, I went on Amazon in 10, in about 10 minutes, I found the replacement part, ordered it. It was here the next day. I just popped it on. It's all fixed. Beauty. (laughs) I bought my grill from Amazon. Nice. My freaking grill. Boom. Just order it. Yeah. It's just so easy. So, so the story is, and again, I think part of the reason why I order so much stuff from Amazon, number one is the convenience, you know, the free shipping. Uh, and number two, I hope that accidentally I get sent 65 pounds of weed like these, these nice folks did. It's like Christmas and, and all one right there. And it's also a Florida story. So right up your alley. A couple in Florida got more than they ordered when empty plastic bins they thought they bought from Amazon weren't empty when they arrived. They were actually filled with a shit ton of weed. Damn. The couple said they realized something was weird pretty much immediately after delivery. The 27-gallon plastic storage bins were a little harder to carry than a couple of plastic bins should be. Police later found that the package weighed a total of 93.5 pounds. Whoa. Yeah. How did that mistake happen? It was like somebody at the warehouse storing it and they got ship by accident or something? Like what happens with that? I have no idea. Like you wonder what sort of, you know, illegal backhand things are happening in those, you know, those Amazon warehouses. If, if it can possibly. Well, know. they also ship from third parties, right? So it could have been a third party shipped it out of their warehouse. Um, do they actually ship the third parties or can you be a third party reseller and then you have to send it yourself? Right, right. So you buy on Amazon thinking, but you, but it's coming from another company. Right. I think so they like, do that, right? Like Joe's Tackle Shop could have sold you that and they had the weed in there. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm, been, sh- like, I'm sure the cops are checking all that out. <laughs> yeah. There's, there's um, some people with authority actually checking into this. I'm just wondering. The story is funny because I guess the, it says the female customer opened up the package. She found that each of the four bins contained a green plastic wrapped bundle of marijuana. All told, the weed itself weighed about 65 pounds. She and her fiance were completely baffled and called the cops. Wow. When the first officer got here, she was in disbelief. Damn. Yeah. So ah, they said that- we were pretty fearful our home would be broken into after the police left. We didn't sleep there for a few days. So I think there was actually 75 pounds of weed in there <laughs> and they just smoked a shit ton of it and got super paranoid. Super paranoid. That's what it is. That's a, right? that's a tell right there. Yeah. I don't know. You know, the, the, the good story is this doesn't get reported because yada, yada, yada out of these plastic bins. I tried reordering some more plastic bins. They didn't come the same. Yeah. <laughs> so the police lugged the weed away and started trying to figure out how the hell a bunch of weed how ended we up in Amazon shipment from a Massachusetts warehouse. Wow. The cops started wondering, how are we going to smoke this before we get to the station? Dude, that's what, seriously, what happened with that, you know, all that weed? It was, so it was 180 pounds of weed and only 93 were recovered. Only 65 were recovered. So Amazon said, you know, they, the couple was trying to, you know, find out what happened and Amazon's customer service was like, yeah, we really can't do anything right now, but here's a $150 gift card. Oh, you got money on top of it. Exactly. Damn. And how much did those plastic bins really cost? Maybe like 20 bucks? I know. Damn. They made out like bandits. 
Oh, the Daily Dot has pictures of the of the bins. Wow, it's magical. Yeah, they posted on their Instagram. The uh, the awesome. news station that reported it. Where in Florida was this? Crazy. That's a shit. Oh, it's Orlando. Yeah. That's a lot of freaking weed. Holy crap. 65 pounds. That's a lot. Yeah. Holy crap. Wow. Let's pause for a moment. Make sure to step back and say, woo. Damn. Buck, yeah. buck, son. What would the governor of, of New Jersey do with that? Eat it all. You could definitely eat 65 pounds of weed. That's right. Everybody's got to get out and vote him out. We'll vote for the new guy. He can't run, but. Yep. All right. Next up we got, there's a 14-year trend of rising opioid deaths that have been reversed in Colorado after marijuana legalization. So there there is a uh, American Journal of Public Health uh, did some research and they correlated that um, when the recreational marijuana sales began in Colorado in January of 2014, the state saw a 6% drop in opioid deaths. Um, and the drop follows 14 years of rising opioid deaths. So uh, going back for the first year that they're saying this already had a big impact on year one on opioid deaths, which uh, is really good to see. I mean, Hopefully, more people will start doing uh, more correlations in the states where it's becoming legalized and be able to say, look, you know, everybody's coming out saying we have a big opioid crisis, a huge opioid problem, and this could be a, you know, a way out of that, potentially. Yeah, that's, and that's you know, any of these lawmakers, particularly the attorney general, they have these, uh, these belief systems in place that are not backed by science and fact. Um, and the first thing they have to realize is that people are in pain, you know, life, life is tough. You know, you gotta, people are trying to hustle, people are trying to make ends meet and we're all trying to fight some sort of pain. And, you know, there, there are good ways, there's positive ways to do it. And then there's like the most negative ways, which is, you know, opioid related. Um, if you can just help, you're helping people who are in pain. And I, I, I don't, I still, I know I've, probably said this a billion times on the podcast now, but I don't understand why you are so vehemently fighting to prevent people to, from treating their pain. Um, yeah. There is evidence that this can work and that this is positive for people. Again, it's not for everybody, but what is? Name one thing that's for everybody besides Wayne Brady. Everybody loves that guy. You know, <laughs> everyone that... Just because alcohol is legal, does that mean everyone should be drinking? No, you know. Um, Just because marijuana is made legal, does that mean everyone's got to go out and smoke or vape or take edibles? No, but it works for certain people. You know, some people can't eat wheat. You know, some people have allergies to milk or peanuts. You know, you're not going to ban peanuts because some people are allergic to it. It doesn't work for them. Right. Yeah, everybody's different. And to just blanketly say that this doesn't work, this is illegal, it's uh, it's foolish and it's not based on scientific evidence. And I think we need to be smarter than that as a as a country and as a society. So it's it's good seeing people are 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 actually having the guts to stand up and do this research because it's going to change our entire country. And I think for a, a positive, once we kind of get over this this silly. Uh, silly prohibition of cannabis and 
start legalizing it and, and evolving because uh, I think it's going to be a helpful tool in us getting there. Oh, yeah. Let's go to Ski News. Things are starting to get heated up, which is nice to see. And by heated up, I mean cooled down, really. So right now, this week, there are three ski resorts that are already open. Uh, first one is A Basin. They won this year. They were uh, the first ones to open on October 13th. Coming in number two, our pals over in Loveland. They are they opened uh, a week later on the 20th this past weekend. And now Timberline Lodge in Oregon. They're open weekends only, weather permitting. But unfortunately, they were open. They were not open last weekend due to rain. So wow. it's already started. We got a couple places that are open. I know I was looking at some weather in trying to remember where it was. Um, I forget if it was Utah or Colorado. And it was in the it was in the thirties. So it's mm. starting to cool down a bit. You know, it's uh it's getting darker every day, and that only means that winter is getting closer, and that means Getting closer to skiing. Global cooling right now. Oh, I wish. I wish. So that's cool. Uh, yeah. yeah, that's somebody was asking me. Um, somebody made a comment to me today. They're like, "Yeah, well, skiing won't start for a little while." I'm like, "Dude, there's like a basin and, and Loveland. I knew they were open. I was like, they were open already." I'm surprised. Yeah, it's uh, you know I know Gatlinburg won't be open for a little bit, but yeah, Gatlinburg. out in a basin and Loveland, man, ready to right, go. Man. Cool. All right. Next up, the uh, private Colorado ski resort for the Uber Rich is about to launch, and it's three million to enter, and then fifty thousand dollars a year. So this, I think we've talked about about it before. It's the Cimarron Mountain Club, um, and it's Cimarron. Uh, it's in Colorado, and what it is is a resort for the Uber Rich. Um, so one of the taglines that they have on this article is: "So you got the Bugatti." This, the, this, the G6 and you'd like to slide down snow, then Jim Aronstein, the owner of Cimarron Mountain Club, Colorado, has the place for you. So it's so exclusive that um, they won't even let you look at their website without approval. So you actually have to be approved to look at uh, the website. That's so awesome. <laughs> it's, uh, it's pretty funny. So... Um, you know, in 2012, they, they announced the plans for this. And I think we, we mentioned this a few times for different reasons. And the, the original idea was they were just going to have 12 lots on this ultra-exclusive ski resort. And there was going to be a lot of, you know, snowcat skiing and heliskiing and stuff like that. And but the yurt. With, and the yurt. They have a yurt. But now they're, they're not going to require you to build a house on the plot you buy. So there are lots valued now uh, between 2.7 and 3.8 million, uh, and a yearly fee between 50 and 90 thousand uh, dollars. So they said what what they realize is a lot of these people already have houses all over the world, so they don't necessarily need to build another house. So, um, so now they're saying uh, there's lots of all sizes now, uh, still pretty large. Um, out of all 35 acres and they're saying, you know, place, you know, it's private. You have incredible skiing, uh, skiable areas, the size of Aspen. Uh, they have the private snow cats 
and about 350 inches of snow um, for some of the best powder in the San Juan Mountains. So that's pretty amazing. So uh, this thing is going full steam. It's going to be the uh, Uber exclusive area to go. It looks pretty awesome. I think it's relatively, I'm looking at the the map that it's showing. I mean, it's a pretty terrible map. Um, it looks like it's just east of Telluride and Silverton. Oh, nice. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, could you imagine? I mean, you need $3 million just to join. That's the buy-in. That's the buy-in. And then 50 grand a year. Damn. So pretty much like a middle of the road three series BMW every year you're paying. Damn. For this. Yeah. And I'm guessing, I'm hoping your lift tickets are included with these fees. Hmm. All right. So, all right, so three million dollars. I don't think you need lift tickets. It's all like you have access to the snowcats and stuff. Yeah. But like, no, okay. So let's just say, let's just say two years. So three million dollars. Plus, so three million, three million fifty thousand dollars. Think how much what you could do with that ski wise. See, the thing is, though, if you're breaking it down and you're actually going to start working numbers, then chances are you're not going to be one of the people on this mountain. <laughs> These are people that don't even know how much fucking money they got. They're like, yeah, yeah right? sure, seriously. Let's just go to this. It's a to them. It's a nice, quiet, quaint place that we're going to bring the family and we're going to do some skiing. It's actually a tax write-off for us to buy this place. <laughs> yeah, they don't even know. They're like, I want to call my financial advisor. They'll set it up, and somebody works some shit out, and then I'll be there. I'll go skiing. Three, I mean, crazy man. I just it, it's I, an insane amount of money. I can't even wrap my head around it. But then again, I can't really wrap my head around like country clubs and stuff. So you know how many Taco Bell Supremes that is. <laughs> That's a lot of everything. That's a lot of damn Chipotle. <laughs> I mean, to just have man. three million in disposable income to pay for a membership here. How many tickets at Hunter would that be? Wow. You can see Hunter for like two hundred years. You could pretty much buy Gatlinburg for that yeah. three million dollars. I know. I heard Gatlinburg's pretty built up. I heard it's like pretty nice. I'm like, I gotta see this place. <laughs> said so the ski area is small and probably crappy, but they said it all around Gatlinburg, they said it's like a big tourist destination. So it's oh, going right? to happen. It's going to happen this year. They said it's, it's about like an eight or nine hour drive. Though I'm like, shit, I drive six hours to like New Orleans. I don't know if I want to drive to Gatlinburg. Yeah, it's kind of rough. But I got to get some turns in. So I don't know. It's either that or I go visit my uh, alma mater up in Boone, North Carolina, do a little skiing. There you go. Way to go, App State. <laughs> so... Yeah, it may have to happen, but if you're breaking down numbers, I mean, this shit's already out of your range. You're not yeah. going to get access. If you if you took it a pen and you started calculating anything, you're not going to get access to even the website to, to look at the stuff. Yeah, you're. Uh, it's pretty much above our pay grade at this point. That's yeah. okay. That's okay. It's all, right. it's all right. Still playing the Powerball. Still could happen. That's right. All right, next up, Squaw Valley invests $4 million into 13 Gazics, four Avalanchers, one Avi helicopter, largest ski patrol team in history, Navy SEAL trainers, and the Pack Promise. Dude, this looks awesome, man. They're really stepping up the game. I love it. They are not messing around in Squaw. It's serious. I mean, it's serious with a lot of snowfall. It's good. 
Yeah, they invested $4 million in new equipment and training to help improve the safety and efficiency of the mountain. The investments are geared toward allowing the ski patrol and staff to more efficiently perform their jobs. Investment includes new safety helicopter. Squaw Valley Alpine Meadows is the only resort in California using a helicopter as part of their snow safety program. 13 new Gazic, aka Dragons, now the largest system in use at any ski resort in North and South America. Dragons will be installed along Alpine Meadows Road, High Yellow, Red Dog Ridge, and the roof. Four new avalanche avalanchers, including two new units at Squaw Valley that mark the reinstatement of the avalancher program. Special training with Caracorum, which uses a background in elite military training to develop high-performing teams. Uh, the new equipment is really intriguing from both a skier and ski patroller's perspective. The helicopter, Gazic, Dragons, and Avalanchers will allow for more efficient avalanche control and more controlled openings. So they're really, I mean, they're not messing around there. They're, uh, they're really focusing on safety and, uh, and making it a, a safer and more fun and efficient place to ski which is really great to see because so many places just invest in condos and putting in a restaurant and all that crap, which yeah. really doesn't enhance the ski experience, you know? So I just looked up the Gazex. You see how these things work? They're pretty freaking awesome. So I, I was reading about them before. Yeah. It explodes an oxygen propane gas mixture in a specially designed explorer tube locate, located at the top end of risk zones. So they install them permanently on the areas that they know are the risk zone at the top of it. And I guess they attach um, or they feed in gas and oxygen and they have it. They just set it off. It's like a push button thing and it explodes off. It causes this like this resonating explosion, this this stress coil explosion and that i guess will cause the avalanche rather than having to throw like dynamite or shoot things at over at it yeah it looks kind of like a um at least the one i'm looking at now it looks a bit like a an upside down v and i guess that, that's like a vent tube almost right yeah exactly and that's what can that's what they use to set that off to create that's, the avalanche that's pretty wild and it seems like it's much more efficient too because you don't have a patroller having to go out there and and set off the the uh, the dynamite manually. Yeah, it's like push button. And then mm -hmm. I guess you know over the years you know where the where the high risk zones are. So they just say, all right, just run them, you know, let them all out, and then everything's clear. I like that. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. So they're not messing around there in uh, in Squaw. Again, it's more ski focused and less lifestyle condo focused, which I think is is really nice to see. Very cool. Very cool. All right. Next up is uh, from Rob Report. So Abaking and Rasmussen's Cloud Break makes for an A-list charter yacht adventure. Now, this experience. So this, is sort of ski, this is sort of ski related. It actually oh yeah. is. This is our concept that we've talked about for like a year now, Yacht to Yurt. So this is from heli skiing in British Columbia to kayaking in, in Antarctica. Cloud Break offers an expedition yacht experience like no other. Now, we were talking as we were driving up to Whistler that we could have a boat right there in the sound, you know, go up the sound from 
um, from Seattle and just drive up there and then kind of stop there and then heli ski you right onto Whistler and then you just spend some time there and then kind of heli ski back or heli heli back to the boat and then just yacht to Europe. So, but launched early last year, these guys heard our conversation because it was probably broadcast <laughs> by one of the listening devices in our phones. And um, I believe we were the inspiration for this. Yeah, that's right. So uh, there's project, ma the project management was handled by Super Yachts Monaco. Nice to know there's a company that just worked with Super Yachts. Um, and what they did was they created a 238 foot cloud break adventure yacht designed for an owner with a passion for extreme sports and appreciation for simple down-home comforts. So looking at the pictures of the interior of this, there's no down-home comforts. This is a beautiful boat, man. It's just baller as fuck. Damn. You talk about it, you just got to like step back and on and say, wow, they did a good job. That's when people that know what they're doing do some fantastic stuff, you know? Yeah. Um, so it has a um, – 8,750 mile range and accommodations for 12 guests and a 22 member crew. That's pretty messed up that you have more crew than guests. 22 member crew. <laughs> That's right. So that means you're taking care of and paying for it because you're not doing anything. You're just hanging out there waiting for lunch. That's about it. Um, so the owner plans to ex explore some of the remote parts of the world and the yachts crews through the Caribbean, Galapagos, and Alaska. So they're actually saying it's going to be used for, oh, man, they look at the spa on that. The pool on the lower deck spa. Do you see that shit, Brian? Oh, I saw it. God damn. It looks it's like actually, a regular uh, spa. Well, they say, like, the interior of it, it has a winter garden and a, quote, ski lodge. God damn it. In the yacht. Yeah, I, I, like, I want to be jealous, but I'm glad that somebody's actually doing, having this experience because it's like, this is the kind of shit that would be awesome to do. Like this is like beyond one percentage. Like this wow. is just, this is like when you go to heaven, Russian you'll have oligarch these. rich. That's right. It's crazy. This is like Warren Buffett rich. Yeah. yeah it's Man. cool. It says it has a full collection of ski and snowboarding equipment, and even has accommodations for ski guides. Damn. <laughs> so you can have your guide stay with you on your yacht. So you just hop on the helicopter together and go right to the mountain. So they have a flotilla of water and land toys, including wakeboard, scuba center, center with gear. You got your ski and uh, heli, snowsboard, uh, full gym, climate control, winter garden. You said that swimming pool, spa, ski lodge with a fireplace, fireplace on a boat, really? And a master suite with a patio. Damn. I mean, you have to see the pictures of this yacht. I mean, it's just... It's incredible. Beyond awesome. Wow. Oh, I got to sound speechless. Yes. And you know, the funniest part is while you're looking at this, you see the, the little pictures of the other ad, uh, the other stories they have, and you see these other amazing yachts. You're like, I can't look at this anymore. Yeah, you realize just how poor you are when you go into this stupid website. And we're back to not getting access to that website for the <laughs> private ski resort. It's so private, you don't even know the name of it because you can't get to the website. Yeah, right. <laughs> like, can I log in? No, you're far too poor. <laughs> That's right. I'm sorry, sir. You wouldn't even know what you were looking at. I'm sorry, you can't come. Damn it. Yep. Why you gotta be like that? Yeah. 
it's pretty awesome though you know maybe if this if you're the kind of person who uh, this appeals to maybe looking at this article will inspire you to do great things and you know if you like that kind of stuff right brian yeah if you're into that sort of awesome (laughs) stuff cool beautiful though check it out we'll have the link on the show notes at skibonepodcast.com so mario what are we talking about this week so we're talking about getting geared up for the season um, in some of uh, the, the most fun that you may have for at least the start of the season is buying some new gear. So uh, we're going to talk about there was a lot of uh, there's a lot of hoopla right now on, you know, all the new equipment that came out. So this week we figured let's talk about some of the skis that we've seen um, and just kind of go through like some of the brands and some of the skis that we've tried and and and. Talk about those. Yeah, so the first batch of skis that we uh, we looked at, you know, we're big fans of Powder Magazine, and they a few weeks back had their their best of skis article released. So we're starting there, and they have their skis of the year. Um, they had different categories, but we just kind of grabbed the the general best. Uh, 16 best skis and i guess they're not really in any order they're just kind of alphabetical uh talk about the black crows atris the black crows atris birdie which is the ladies version of that ski which are the ones you did that you got last year i got the animas which are the the bigger ones yeah they're like the 112s now the graphics were similar to the atris weren't they yeah all their graphics are kind of they they changed them up a little bit this year um, but yeah, they're not, they're not too different from those. Uh, the ones I have are like the one twelves. They're kind of, uh, they're more powder powdery. And these are a little more all mountainish. It looks like, uh, based on their, the, the width underfoot and the, the shape and the side cut. You were going to buy them in park city too. That was funny. Yeah. And I actually got them cheaper with bindings and shipping from France. Yeah, would it cost just by the skis there? Yeah, and they were out of stock on the size you wanted or something. There's some reason you didn't get them, right? Yeah, they had the, the length I wanted. It's funny. I only got to use them once too. One day at uh, Killington, and it was pretty unnecessary to use them, but I had them, and I just wanted to try them out, so I did. That's why you do it, right? Yeah, but yeah, Black Crows, they make some pretty awesome skis. They're based out of Chamonix, so you know they're, uh, they're super legit, and they make... Yeah, if you can get your uh, get to try some of those out at a demo week or something this season, it, they're they don't worth demo often though, right? It's one of those no. skis that are kind of you got to pay for the demo. It's not like usually in the free demo. Yeah, I mean they are a smaller ski company, so they don't they're not cranking out you know thousands and thousands of skis a year. So it's it's probably a little more rare to find them. But yeah, if you go to like a you could demo them for fifty bucks a day or whatever. Uh, it's, it's, uh, you could do worse. Let's just put it that way. They are fun skis. Uh, next up, we got the Dinafit Beast 108s, the Kessley BMX 105 HPs, the Black Diamond Boundary Pro 107s, another pair of Black Crows, the Damons, the Nordica Enforcer 110s which as a Nordica Enforcer 100 
and previously a 93 owner. I would love to try these out in a little bit of powder. Those look like a lot of fun. Uh, the head core 105s, the forefront MSPs, the Solomon QST 106s, Solomon QST Stella 106, which is the female version, the Fisher Ranger 108 Ti, which I've seen a bunch of articles say if you have like looking for a single quiver ski that this is one of the best ones out there. Oh, wow. Yeah. Fisher's owned by what company? Fisher. No, I thought they were owned by, uh, I'm, uh, I'm not sure. They're part of another company. I thought probably, I think most things these days are all kind of becoming bigger, part of bigger conglomerates, but I'm not, yeah. I'm not exactly sure. Um, and then we also have the Elon Ripstick 106s, the Blizzard Rustler 11s, the and then the Nordica Santa Ana 110s, which are the female version of the uh, Enforcer 110s. And lastly, the Stuckley Stormrider 115. So one yeah, thing you notice, you notice here in this list, just about every ski is at least hundred underfoot. Yeah, that's the one thing I was look uh, looking at when you were going through the list. I was like, they're not making carving, you know, um nobody's nobody's skiing on thin skis anymore. Yeah, well at the uh the forefronts they're ninety nine underfoot. Um and I think let's see, what other one? Uh the black crows, the Damons, they're ninety nine. Uh, but I think just about everything else was at least a hundred underfoot. One hundred five, one hundred eight, one ten. Yeah. Yeah, I think the shape and everything allows for the uh, the nice fatter ones to handle well. Yeah, that was the first thing I noticed in this article was just how wide everything is. Um, yeah, I really. Uh, now I know I just got new skis. I got two new pairs. Technically, this year still last season yeah like I, said, I got the black girl the animas the 112s and then i uh my daily drivers are the nordica 110s you know if i were buying skis right now i uh i would and i'm you know mostly east coast skiing for a daily driver i think i'd really look at those uh black crow damon 99s i like those um i don't know dude i love my dps's yeah those things are badass those are nice you see those more now. All right, so let's go through the list but of there are um, no DPSs on this list. Not on that list, but for the all mountain skis. This is from uh, Backcountry Magazine. From Backcountry for all mountain, uh, they have the DPS Zelda A106s, which are playful, quick to edge, and stable at speed. Uh, they, they also have the Black Crows Navis Freebirds, and those are, they're saying that that's like an all around. Uh, good all-around ski. So I'm wondering, uh, that is, what's the dimensions? 133, 102 mm -hmm. underfoot. Uh, then there's the Star Legend X96s. So these 96 underfoot. Uh, but again, like the DPSs, they flare out. They have a big shovel in the front. You know, so it's like, it really, I don't know, the underfoot is a, is a good measurement, but it also depends on the whole shape of the whole ski. Now, are those Zeldas, are those like a female-specific ski? 
Because um, it looks like when you look at the length, it's 158, 168, and 178. That sounds more like it's geared toward a smaller frame. Yeah. And Holly Howard was the one that commented on it, so. Yeah. I'm wondering if it is a woman's ski. But they're purple. But they're purple. Nothing wrong with purple. It is my favorite color. I know. I was like, I was like, you you would get those skis because they're purple. I actually would. If I had a choice between something, I actually was looking for a purple car, but uh, nice. There weren't too many options these days. There is like the uh, the Dodge Challenger, which would be pretty sweet. Like metallic purple would be nice. Metallic purple. It's like a dark purple. Purple rain purple. There was one year, I, I forget, I think it was like the early 2000s, BMW made the M3. It was like electric violet or something. It was like really, really dark purple, metallic, hmm. and it was a gorgeous color. Nice. And then in 2005, Mini made a Cooper that was purple. So I actually have seriously looked at different purple cars. Nice. I'm not even joking. Gonna get the metal fleck paint with the with the velour uh, purple interior. Well, also the Wrangler this year they have a purple Wrangler and it's their snow edition. Like there's oh, really? like a, there's like a different. I think it's the Rubicon snow, and it has like it is it's freaking purple and it's awesome. And I was thinking, I'm like, you know, it'd be cool to be like so rich you could just have like oh, all I, purple I just cars. It up. Holy crap, that is really purple. The Wrangler. Yeah. It's sweet though, right? Yeah, it's pretty cool looking. Badass. Sends a message. You know, it's funny. It's purple, but it almost looks a little more blue in certain lights too. Some of these pictures. You see it in full sun. It's definitely purple. Those metallics, those paints they use, they have all the different like flecks of color. So depending on the light and how it hits it, yeah, it comes out looking a little different. That's pretty cool. But yeah, purple Wrangler and a purple Tesla. Because I think you get like custom paint on it on a Tesla if you really want to for like five grand. Nice. Like and then you nice... throw your purple skis in there. Oh, I'd be the king. Oh, you know, you'd be the king if you had a purple suit on. You get out, you get your whole purple suit. Um, I just you got a purple I actually just got a purple blazer. Boom. But well, it's called like Plumberry. It's like a very dark purple. But uh, you got to get yourself a brown Willy Wonka top hat. That's the move. But yeah, I wore it to the uh, to that Utah event, and again, it's it's not it's it's not like super obvious, like Minnesota Viking purple. It's oh, not Dumb and Dumber purple. Dumb and Dumber. <laughs> it's uh, it's subtle, but like in the light, you can definitely tell it's uh, it's it's not black, and it's I love it. It's a pretty sweet blazer. And it, oh, you know where I got it? Amazon, of course. Nice. Everything's on Amazon. Of course. They don't do tailoring. Nice. Yeah, or do they? I don't think Amazon does tailoring. Oh, not yet. Yeah. Amazon Taylor. You guys send like a Uber Taylor. I want to just give them my like my body dimensions so that they can just make custom clothes for me. Stitch Fit. You just do Stitch Fit and say I love I want everything purple. <laughs> What's is that a website Stitch Fit? Oh yeah, Stitch Fit is by Nord, I think that's Nordstrom. Uh, oh really? It's their box. You sign up for uh, our buddy John signed up. He said they give him some pretty cool stuff. It's the whole thing where you give me dimensions and they send you you know they you fill out a questionnaire, give me your dimensions, and they curate a box for you, send it to you. 
you return what you want, what you don't want, and you keep what you want, and you pay for just what you want. Oh, like a trunk club or any one of those. Yeah. Same, yeah, same thing. But I think Stitch Fit is part of Nordstrom, and you can return stuff back to them or something like oh, that. Oh, it's Stitch Fix, F-I-X. Oh, Stitch Fix, yeah. Stitch Fix, yeah. And then there's a few boxes uh, that are pretty popular, but I, that one I've heard before because it, they're attached with, um, I think it's Nordstrom, right? Yeah. It's like, what's your style? I like purple. That's not a style, sir. But I like purple. Look, you send me purple or I'm not going to buy it. And they'll send you purple everything. Purple or GTFO. Yeah. But John said uh, the stuff wasn't too expensive. Like they, they do like a mix of, of pricing in it. Um, and he said the stuff was pretty good. He said he got a, a nice pair of jeans that he, he just had to get a different size. Um, he said that was the big thing for the first box was getting the sizing right. Uh, but he said he, he got some really cool stuff through it. I was like, yeah, I thought about trying to do that. Nice. Why not? Yeah, like, cool. It's like the Rob Vices. They send you stuff for, for that same idea, right? Yeah. That was um, a crazy tangent we went on there. Yeah, nice crazy tangent. All right, so I'll go through the, the – um, also from the uh, – from Backcountry Magazine, they have the um, Editor's Choice Awards and Freeride Skis. And there's there's three of those, the Atomic Backland uh, Freeride 109 Ws, which I don't know if that means they're women's skis. Could be for George W. fans. Could be George W. fans. Uh, the Headcore 105. I'm trying to think of if I ever demoed the Headcore. I might have seen them, but I don't know if I demoed those. Um, I think that they're the first ones to be on both the Powder and the Backcountry.com lists. Yeah, that's actually... Interesting. So these are, well, they're 105. It says Headcore 105s, and the dimensions are 112 underfoot. Hmm. So it's weird. That doesn't seem correct there. Yeah. And then the Blizzard Rustler 11s, and those are 114 underfoot. And I just love my Blizzards. Everything, like the whole line of Blizzards that I've tried are pretty good. I love the description of it. Bottom line, for this is for the Blizzard Rustler 11s. Bottom line, a heavy charger that's not for the faint of heart. <laughs> well, 114th, so it was the Brahmas, which were 88s. Then they went up to, was it Cochise, which were the 90s? No, the, um, wasn't the Cochise. Cochise are the big ones. They were 115 or something, right? What the hell are the ones that are uh, 98? Bonafides. Bonafides. Bonafides, that's what it is. Yeah. So these are similar to the to the Cochise. Mm-hmm. I think Cochise was like 107, right? I don't know. 107, 108, something like I that. Think, yeah, so it's the next one up. Because they had a couple. It was like the Hot Spur or the Spur. That one came out last year, right? Yeah, that was a monster one, I think. Mm. And then the Gunsmoke or the... The Black Pearls one. The uh, Black Pearl's the women's one, I think. The women's it? one. Yeah, I think that's the women's version of like the Cochise or something. I don't know. Yeah. yeah, there was one that I was looking at last year that they made. I think it was the Spur. But then there's that other one that was similar. This must be like just a new version, like a re- renaming uh, a particular line. Yeah. I figure they got to jazz it up and they have different, you know, different graphics and they start with the different names. It looks like a little bit different technology too. That They have, uh, I don't know, something that looks like to add for stiffness or something in there. Oh, that middle part where it has like a, kind of like a beveling. 
Yeah, it's like a saddle in the middle. Maybe to make the middle a little bit stiffer. That's Reinforce it, yeah. Yeah. yeah maybe. And then we have one other list uh, from Ski Magazine. They have their list of their award-winning skis. So again, all these magazines, they do get further into, uh, you know, if you want to break it down to, you know, you want front side, you want free ride. Uh, you know, they break it down that way too, but we're kind of just going over the, the broad, just general list of award winners. The namings, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So they have the, uh, the DPS Nina a99s the forefront arethas the j skis the friend the icelandic nomad 105s the dps whaler a112s and whalers that we were looking at those yep uh forefront msp again they were on the powder list the nordica santa anna 110 and the enforcer 110s those were also on the powder list the head total joy the Vocal Flare 81E, the Vocal 98W, the Nordica Enforcer 100, Brianski, and the Head Core 93. So you definitely see a bunch of overlap here, but the yeah, Nordica uh, Enforcer and the Head I did notice on a lot of different lists. Yeah, the the Enforcer line is getting so so vast now that the three different sizes i mean it's just it's just a fun ski like i said i've had the 93 and now i have the 100 they're just i mean they can they do so well in such a wide variety of terrains they're easy to ski um they're again they're just they're fun and they just rip so uh, I, I, if anyone's looking for an all-around ski i have no problem endorsing that one um again i i, I don't know if the, if I was on the East Coast, which I am, I I feel like I probably should have gotten the 93 again, but uh, I uh, I had size envy and I decided to go with the 100s. But you know I, I can't complain about them one bit. They are they are. I'd say 100 is not a bad size though. Uh, it's pretty versatile nowadays the way they shape the ski and everything. Yeah, but it's funny. Like when I first got those, I'm like it's gonna be my one my single quiver ski, and then it's like, well, I want a pair of real big fatty, so I got the 112, the Black Crows. Now I'm kind of like, well, you know, it'd be good to have something in like the mid to low 90s, then something around 102 to five, and then have the powder ski, and then get a touring ski, and then it's just all starting to get become like sheer madness and. Yeah. Just picturing like American Express knocking on my door and you know, <laughs> taking my son away and repossessing the cars. Yeah, so, yeah. You know, you kind of got to reel that stuff in, but you got to yeah. be real. Yeah, well, I got my my Brahma eighty eights, and those are good. I got to get them reset a little bit because they're a little off balance. But um, those are fun for East Coast when you when you got a little bit icy. I mean, they're they're really good. They're they're playful skis when it's not playful conditions. Um, but then the DPSs that I got, they're the Whaler hybrids. And um, those are actually better than I thought they would be. Because I think if I got the Whaler, they would be too soft. The hybrid has a little more metal in it. And it's actually good for a little bit of crud, you know. Yeah, because so you just get lucky. That, we had that one great day at, uh, at Jay Peak. Where yeah. We had the, the powder day. And that's where you... Is that the first time you, you used those skis? Then? That was the first time I used them. Um, and then I also took them out to Vail. Oh, right. 
and Vail was like more spring condition. So I got to ski on ice with those and they were actually all right. Um, and I got to ski on softer slushy bumps, not powdery, but, um, and they were fine in that too. So it was, it was actually pretty good ski for, it was surprisingly good, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I still would love to get a pair of those one twelves, those whaler, the alchemist whalers. I was talking to someone about those and they're supposed to just be a freaking riot because they changed them up a little bit this year. Cause you know, they had the, the whaler one twelves for a while, but like the alchemist one, that's nice. like their, their new thing. And I'm trying to find that one pair they had out this past summer. They had the one, weren't they like one forty or something? Oh, for that special sale they had, right? Yeah. They had like that one crazy pair. <laughs> Yeah, they were really fat. I think they were like 120-somethings or something. I know. I think it was way more than that. I think it was like 140. Was it the Powderworks Limited Edition series? Might have been. Uh, Lotus 138 Spoon. There you go. 138. 138, man. And, of course, the That's picture is somebody in like just powder. Like just you can't even see them all because it's just so much powder. Of course. Oh, they have a spoon yeah, well, one fifty. Maybe that's the one I was thinking of. Damn. That's... These are released February of twenty seventeen. So I think the ones you're talking about were after, right? I think they were early. These I think were a couple years ago. Yeah, they were the spoon one fifties. Oh, they only made twenty five of them. It's so awesome. It's so awesome that it's these DPS. I guess they're based out of what Utah. Or Park City or Salt Lake City, that they actually required that sort of ski. So, like, you know what? We're just going to make it. Someone <laughs> yeah. is going to want these. Yeah, they only had a two-week event where they were offered, which is crazy, man. And it's the best. It's like the most like shitty time of the summer too, where you're just like melting, and you like just hate life, and you all you want to like you can't even. It's almost too hot to think about skiing, and then all of a sudden you get that email from DPS, and you're like, it just blasts you back to your, you know, your favorite ski moments from the season before, you know, where oh. you like you know, we had that epic day in uh in Park City where we you know hit the canyons and we got to the ninety nine ninety, you know, soon like right after it opened, like you, you just that have that awesome. day, and it just blasts you back to that moment, and. You know, no matter how hot it is, you just you can just only think about skiing. That's that's what freaking DPS does. You know, it's almost you know it's you want to you just want to man up and get the credit card out and just go to Bariloche and and let it rip. Dude, you are not joking. Yeah, I got a plan on that. Maybe for I don't know. I'm thinking maybe the summer. Every yeah. every year I say maybe the summer I'll uh I'll do it. One of these summers it'll happen. Yep. It's a beautiful thing. Yeah. At least, you know what? You got to put it in the, in your mind, have it there and uh, you can, you can manifest it into happening as long as it's there. Yeah. I'm a, I don't know about this summer, but I know within the next three summers uh, it's, it's going to happen. I can, I'm going to go on record and say guarantee it's going to happen in the next three summers. Guarantees guaranteeing the win. Guaranteeing the wing. Can't wait. I like it. Can't, Can't wait. wait. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> so yeah, so those were um pretty much the best of what we could, you know, the the folks that we 
hold in the highest regard for their opinions on skis. If you guys have any other, uh, any other info or skis that we maybe were missing out on, please hit us up. Let us know ski bump podcast at gmail.com or hit us up on any of our socials or, and you can find that information at ski Under the ropes. All right, so let's get started with uh, Under the Ropes. Uh, to get us started and uh, get a little fire under our bellies, uh, we'll start with a, a nice Florida story. Uh, Florida man lights himself on fire after the Cowboys lose to the Packers. Well, see, now you're our resident Florida man now. so I can see how this shit could happen. Let's you have that. bore witness to a lot of this insanity, right? <laughs> yes. So this was from October 11th, which was what, probably like week one or week two of uh, the NFL season? Um, and basically I guess this, uh, 27 year old man from, uh, Vero beach, um, he lit his Dallas Cowboy Jersey on fire Sunday after losing a bet to his wife. But what he didn't take into account that he was still, was that he was still wearing the Jersey. So, um, the man told deputies when they showed up that he was intoxicated. So, um, he went outside to incinerate his jersey after the loss, and um, he soon uh, he soon realized after he put it on fire that it was still on him. So um, they said it was pretty bad. He was pretty badly burnt, third degree burns on his right arm, hands, second degree burns on his back. So he got really messed up, but all that over a bet and a lot of alcohol. So he is a cowboy fan, though. So you know, he yeah. kind of deserves it. Ooh, I tell you, that's yeah. not a not a good way to go, man. Damn, how do you explain that to people? Like, I can't come to work today because I actually lit myself on fire. It's like, well, those jerseys too are made with that with that all that polyester and crap. Isn't that what they're made of? It's right up. Of it's synthetic. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that stuff burns. It just sticks to you. It's like napalm. Ah, oh, might as well put some lighter fluid on top of you too. Right? Seriously, it's horrible. Trying, yeah, he's trying to like put out the. Uh, the fire with like Bacardi 151. <laughs> oh man, this ain't putting it out. <laughs> and then like, and the man was intoxicated. I'm like, do you think? What would Tom Landry do in this situation? <laughs> I don't know. Let's think about it for a little bit. I'm on fire still. So thank you, Florida, for that. Yeah. Always a source of entertainment. All right, next up. Hawaii's black market for spam is booming. What? Yes. There's been a rash of spam theft in Hawaii, which is crazy because uh, Hawaii loves spam. Uh, and do you know why that is? Why is that? Apparently, pork has is the closest tasting meat to human flesh. Hmm. And Hawaiians are Polynesians. The, you know, the Polynesians conquered most, you know, a lot of the Pacific islands and they were cannibalistic. So wow. it's almost like ingrained in these folks to have that, you know, that taste and spam, which is a pork product in quotes is, it could be people. We don't know. Um, is as close, you know, being pork, it is one of the closest tasting to human meat. So Hawaii that's uh, they're known for a lot of things, and one thing is their spam consumption. And yeah, there's there's been this uh, spam fest out there, 
and there's been a rash of thefts. And That's crazy, man. They had to put the stuff behind locked display cases to prevent heist. <laughs> right next to the razors. <laughs> yeah, seriously. They said it's most likely part of a spam black market that's taking off in the state where the demand for spam knows no bounds. Damn. Yeah, so there's um, 1.4 million citizens in Hawaii and there's an estimated 7 million cans of spam consumed every year. Wow. That's like yeah. part of your... So you're having at least like six cans a year. But yeah, the, the Washington Post is reporting that there's been a string of crimes um, that have had assailants with carts full of spam like bolting out of the store. That is crazy. Isn't that crazy? And they're starting to use spam as a form of currency. <laughs> you know, like drug addicts are getting like crack for for spam. Well, one of the things I used to hear about, like um, like addicts used to steal, is um, was Tide, you know, laundry detergent because like everybody uses it. It's like a pretty expensive kind of commodity to steal. It's a good move. Yeah, That's so I guess expensive, yeah. Now they're now they're doing spam in in Hawaii. And what I love about this article, they mentioned the emergence of a, of, an, of much like the emergence of the avocado black market in New Zealand. Like, I had no idea there was a black market for avocados. You didn't? Where have you been? <laughs> it's awesome. There's like these black market areas for, for shit that you wouldn't even know. Crazy. Humans, we are a weird creature and we do some weird things. But, you know, uh, spam is important. Yeah, what are they going to do to stop the black market selling of spam? I mean, is it? So they're stealing it and then selling it, I guess, for a pretty good price on the black market. I think it's more of, I don't know if they're just trading for it. Maybe, yeah, you you know, you get how much crack, like what's the equivalent? Like yeah. how much crack do you get for one can of Spam? Well, how much is a can of Spam? That's a good question. Have you ever had Spam? Yes. It's not horrible, but it's not. I've actually had it more recently. Um, I knew Ironically? I like it. Where is it? Somebody made a dip out of it. They would do spam and cheese and then bake it and into like a ring and it was like a meat ring. It was interesting and it was actually pretty good. It tasted like a ham loaf. It was weird. Ham loaf. Yeah, but it was like recooked with the cheese and some other stuff and it was kind of like you just it was like a dip at that point, but like a cooked dip is mm. weird. It was good. All right, so uh, on Amazon right now, it looks like a two-pack is about 15 bucks. Wow, that's actually pretty expensive. That's Yeah, but that's why they're stealing it. Wow. So if you steal, like, if it's, let's say, seven fifty each, right, or 8 bucks each, mm -hmm. selling that bad boy for, like, 7 bucks, dropping a can of Spam, that's not bad. Actually, I don't, I'm not quite sure I understand this because they have uh, a six-pack available for $25. Oh, is that two-pack gigantic uh, cans? Because they got the really Costco it size? It says 12 ounces per. Well, oh, that doesn't seem that... No, it's like the normal size. Yeah. $15.25, so $7.63 per ounce. And if you get the giant size, it's $0.35 cents an ounce. That's That's weird. I don't quite understand this. Saying $25 for a six-pack. That seems more in line with my thoughts on what spam would cost. 
Well, it's one on Amazon and the other one on Amazon Pantry because they have different prices on that too. Maybe. I know you got to go to the prices right. Remember they used to have like guess how much like the canned <laughs> spam is. Well, then they have like spam with bacon and spam with 25% less sodium. Mmm. Spam with bacon. How about bacon with spam? Oof. Mm, yeah, spam. I don't think I can't remember having spam. I'm sure as a kid I did because my parents all kind of weird crap. Dude, but, back in the day, like they, you'd have like spaghettios, you know, all that stuff. Now I'm like, yeah, I'm not eating that, but had it when I was growing up. Spamgettios. You mix spam with your spaghettios. Mmm. Instead of hot dogs, you mix in spam. Oof. With mac and cheese, mac and cheese and spam. That just uh, again, I haven't had spam in my like recently enough. I think you should put spam in your morning breakfast kale shake smoothie. Yeah, smoothie. Spam, smoothie. spam smoothie. That could be a whole. <laughs> dude, that sounds like a food truck idea. God damn. I wonder how that would taste. <laughs> spam smoothie. It sounds disgusting, and I know it's going to be disgusting, but I'm so intrigued right now. I think I might want to make one. It's pink and delicious. That's <laughs> right. Put a little kale in there. Oh, so you strawberries. Your salad and your meat all for breakfast. Yeah. Strawberries, kale, spam, and coconut milk. Delicious. Make it like a whole breakfast meal. Throw an egg in there. What like else spam. do you need? But that's Got right. All the food groups. You, you could do cheese. Maybe some uh, Velveeta or cheese Whiz. Cheese. Cheese. <laughs> cheese Whiz, a little MCT oil. Boom, you're, you're back, in, back in action. Oh, my God. Could you imagine like what that would happen to your like bowels? After you ate that. <laughs> that's nasty. I got this MCT oil that's like powder form. Oh, really? Can you snort it? You, you probably can. It's actually pretty good though. It's uh, because I, you know, it just sits on the counter. I don't have to refrigerate. You just chuck it in. Not bad. But isn't oil by definition a liquid? Yeah. It's like got a weird texture though. You know how like the, um, like some of those, like it almost has like a sandy compacting. So it feels like there's like the oil's kind of in there, you know what I mean? But it's still in powder form. Hmm. Interesting. It's good for like, if you want to, you know, make a shake in the afternoon and you're going to add water to just the powder, you put it in a bottle and just save it. And then you just add the water later. Okay. So it's kind of cool, but I just use it for the shake. It's just easy. I mix it in with like, uh, I started making that blend with the, um, with the ground up, um, oatmeal and i started chucking that in there too so that i don't have to do a scoop of that and uh the other one i just do scoops of the one mixture oh nice i consolidate my my own blend and then it's just one just scoops of the one thing but that works nice but they do have it there i think i got it on amazon just to let you know (laughs) (laughs) We are just freaking whores for Amazon, aren't we? Yeah, we're whoring ourselves out for Amazon. Not even a sponsor yet. I don't even own stock. Damn it. I bored, son. And now I probably should. I should have bought more. God damn it. I bought 10 shares like six years ago. Well, I did that fractional stock uh, thing for a little while. And um, I still, after doing it for about a year, I still didn't do enough fractional shares of Amazon to own one share. Oh, really? So when they transferred out to another company, um, I just cashed, you know, they just cashed me out of whatever I had, which was, you know, a few hundred bucks because I think it was like 750 a share or something like that. It's almost a thousand now. I know. That's why I'm like, I, I can't, I can't invest in that. I'd rather buy some shares of Tesla or something. I don't know. 
It's a lot yeah. cheaper. This is not financial advice by any stretch of the imagination. <laughs> oh, this is idiot financial. I'm sitting in a basement right now, so obviously I'm not. <laughs> and we have no subscriptions to that uh, Cimarron Club. Damn. I have successfully taken a stock portfolio and halved it. <laughs> oh, but I did buy Amazon at like a buck 80 something. It was like, a, well, not a buck. It was 180 something dollars a share. So, you bought Bitcoin, right? So you got that? I, uh, I have, I'm dabbling in Bitcoin, that's for sure. Dabbling it. Do you own any of the other ones? Doge or? I own a couple of other stupid altcoins. Yeah. A little Ethereum. Ethereum. Pink coin. Hyper. Hyper. But yeah, Bitcoin's the, uh, that's oh, the, the mama, the daddy, the sister. Of cryptocurrency, have you watched a uh, third series of, um, Mr. Mr. Robot. No. I just started. I watched the. I watched half of the first episode the other night. So I heard it's like super like Bitcoin related. It seems to be going. I, I just watched the first episode. It's very dark and very just weird, and it just got really weird. The second season, it's still still really weird. The so. first one was fantastic, and yeah, the second season did get a little. It got dark. Dark and weird. Yeah. Yeah. That's how the first one started out, but I only saw the first episode. So. Again, the first season was super dark too, and you know, spoiler alert: when he freaking killed that. The, uh, the Swedish guy like killed the what's her name oh, on top of the roof. That was awesome. But that was the Swedish guy. He was weird. And he was crazy, yeah. Or was he Swedish or Swiss? I don't know what he I was. I think he was Swedish, yeah. He had a really gorgeous wife. And oh my god, she was people. stunning. And oh, she was such a bitch too. She, all she wanted was money. She's like, you just gotta, you know. Yeah. She, she I love they're like making fun money. of like their their uh, what, two, three bedroom condo and uh the village yeah. in New York, it's yeah. like a six million dollar apartment. They're like, you know, the other guys like making fun of their like quote unquote like shitty place. Yeah. Oh, horrible. Yeah. You know what? While we're already talking about it, I might as well. We have another story about cryptocurrencies, where uh, Jamie Dimon. Uh, you know, there's a couple stories about him and Bitcoin the last couple of weeks, and he was. He originally came out and said that Bitcoin was a fraud. It was a Ponzi scheme. He's not going to talk about it anymore. And uh, like the next day, he talked about it again. Yeah. <laughs> and he keeps calling it a fraud and a Ponzi scheme. And it's funny because if you look up banks paying fines since the 2008 financial crisis, you will see that banks have paid $321 billion in fines for fraud that they started and perpetuated. And of that, JP Morgan has paid almost 30 billion in fines in the last 10 years. Hmm. So it's adorable when someone like Jamie Dimon comes out and lambasts something to that degree and keeps talking about it. Um, but in this article, it was uh, he was told by a top investor to come down to earth and learn about cryptocurrencies because uh, it's, it's very easy to dismiss them and to call it like internet nerd money. It's not real. It's vaporware. It's tulips. It's a scam. It's a Ponzi scheme. But if you really take the time and start reading about this and learning about this, this is fascinating stuff. I mean, this is the first time that a currency has ever been created outside of a government or a bank. Um, it's completely decentralized. There's no, there's no issuer. Um, 
it's completely deflationary unlike all of our currencies of the past where you know the government needs more money they'll just print some more um and it's completely censorship resistant and on the same note uh there was a tweet last week from julian assange because they were uh he's the head of wikileaks and they've you know whether you think they're great or evil you know there's you can debate both sides of that but there was a time back in 2010 i think it was 2010 or 11 that their paypal account was shut off because again it's a centralized uh you know company paypal they shut down their account and they had to resort to using bitcoin for their donations and back then bitcoin was worth dollar two dollars five dollars ten dollars it fluctuated a lot but it was it was not that expensive but he he tweeted out last week julian assange he said thank you to the u.s government and paypal for forcing us to use Bitcoin, we have a 50,000% return from our investments back then. Wow. Yeah. That's crazy, man. So it's still very early days for Bitcoin. And uh, again, not financial advice. I am not a smart person. I just follow and read a lot of much smarter people. And uh, this seems like this could be like the internet for money if this really does uh, hold up to, uh, you know, its potential. Yeah. It's really cool stuff. I mean, you can go, you can go deep with this stuff. Um, it's a lot of, you know, very libertarian leaning folks are into it. I I consider myself kind of in that realm to a degree, but, uh, it's worth checking some of this stuff out. Uh, if you're really serious about, you know, taking care of your money, being your own bank, you know, having a, a completely decentralized, backed by math, and limited to 21 million Bitcoin currency. Hmm. It's cool stuff. Yeah, it's definitely something to learn about because uh, there's a, there's some. It could be a pretty complicated concept. It is, but you, I mean, because you really do have to break it down to what is money. You know, why do we value that paper in our wallet so much? It's, yeah, and think about you know, just think about a hundred dollars. You know. What is $100 buy you today versus 20 years ago? What is two cans of Spam buy you today in Hawaii, right? That's true. It's what you what value you place on it. If spam it means, coin. Exactly. Spam coin. <laughs> That's actually... Backed by Spam. Backed by Spam. Spam yep. would be a currency. dollar used to be backed by gold, and we allegedly had all this gold in Fort Knox, and we could only... Um, the, the Federal Reserve could only create enough dollars that was backed by that gold but since that's all gone away, now maybe spam is it going to be our our currency, that, well, our, our that. backing currency. Yeah, but think about that. Why did they pick gold? Well, because it's pretty rare. They could have picked anything. They could have picked tin, and then tin would have been coveted. You know, like that's that's super true. And you know, all those like gold bugs who talk about how you have to have your money in gold and this. You know, they uh, they they talk they make it out like it's this magical metal, and really, I mean, it does have some electro, you know, some currency or. Um, uh, electro what's the word i'm looking for um, um conductive properties and that's stuff. conductive yeah. properties but for the most part it's really just kind of a you know just something that falls in the periodic table that's shiny and yellow yeah i mean they could have picked brass they could have picked copper i mean they could have picked anything really and even yeah. too if you're buying gold blocks you know say, they say a lot of times there's like fraudulent gold where yeah. they fill it with tungsten and just have the outside be gold because it has the same weight. Right. Or right. similar weight. 
Yeah, like I bought I bought some gold uh, as part of my um, that's a Y2K kind of thing. But um, <laughs> when you buy it, you got to buy it from. So Ampex is like a, a recognized institution. And they do like a lot of gold coins and silver and, and things like that. But you'll get the ingots from them and they have like, you know, a whole certificate with it and it's registered and it's pretty interesting. Like the, the level they go to, to certify that that's an actual, that what you're getting is actual gold or silver. And it's, it's funny to have to go through that, but there's just any people, you know, try to fraud people in any way. It's crazy. That's true. And that's one of the cool things about Bitcoin too, is that, you know, again, you can, you can, you know, make fraudulent gold, you can make fake dollars because of the algorithm and the way that the Bitcoin network works across the world. You really can't create a fake Bitcoin unless you destroy the entire network, which people have been doing every single day for the past nine years since Bitcoin's been initially created. I mean, that's what it is. This is a, there's a hundred billion dollar bounty on bitcoin every single day for hackers but because of the network's strength um and the amount of people running the bitcoin software it keeps the it keeps the the software legitimate which makes the token of the the blockchain software bitcoin valuable it's again it's, it's it's super complicated um and if you really want to go to details, there's plenty of stuff. We'll put some stuff in the show notes too. A good place to start, but it's uh Well, Bitcoin itself actually has a bunch of learning seminars that they do for free just to educate people. There's a lot of good a lot of good stuff. There's a lot of bad information out there too, which is what makes it tricky. And now there's all these hard forks going on and people trying to, you know. Because then people steal some coins and yeah, so they did yeah. There's a lot of a lot of craziness in the Bitcoin world. There's actually a good Netflix movie that just came out um, called Banking, I think Banking on Bitcoin or Banking with Bitcoin. It came out a month or two ago, and it's worth checking out. It's really good. Cool. The crazy thing about it, though, it feels like it's already super dated because it came out. You know, they probably filmed it a year ago or six months ago. Man, there's just so much that happens like in this sphere right now. Yeah, it's, uh, it's it's always. I mean, it's constantly, constantly big news happening. So, but it's it's uh again, it's quite the rabbit hole if you want to go down it, and it's it really makes you question a lot of the way government and banks work. If you if you really dive into the rabbit hole, but oh yeah, and I'm uh I'm 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 pretty deeply in right now. Yeah, <laughs> I'm a believer. So you're a believer. I'm a believer. All right. Well, let's move on to uh, another set of believers. So Canada just banned Soylent, which is Silicon Valley's favorite meal replacement shake. So a lot of people believe in Soylent for meal replacement, and they bill it as a full meal replacement. Uh, In Canada, they decided they, they took a look at it, and the Canadian Food Inspection Agency decided that it didn't comply with the national requirements for what constitutes a meal replacement. So they banned it from, from Canada. So they're still going to try to get it in there. And I guess it's kind of one of those things that's been used by a lot of people as a uh, meal replacement, like easy to consume kind of way to get your, you know, your nutrition and calories uh, in Silicon Valley. So it's just become a, a big, a big thing. Um, you know, in, in certain areas. So 
uh, it's it's interesting that they're like, no, it doesn't constitute a meal. So. Yeah, you got you to microdose your LSD for your appetizer. And That's then you right. have your soylent for your main meal. And then you're good to go to work for like 19 hours straight. Oh, you got to have some Adderall too. That always Adderall. Helps. Adderall and soylent is the, is the perfect replacement. It's like, so, uh, yeah. It's like it's the funny. chocolate and peanut butter pretty much of uh, Silicon Valley. Yeah, so it's, it's funny. They, they call it food reformatted. And they're saying rather than skipping breakfast, you just open up a bottle of this and that's your meal, which, I mean, that's kind of what we do with our shake in the morning, but this is like a pre-made um, and there's stuff in there. Let's put it that way. They have different flavors, uh, but it's pretty interesting. But like when you make, well, like when we make shakes, like, I mean, we're using real food as the yeah. ingredients. You Fresh know? ingredients. Yeah. Bananas, blueberries, you know, greens, coconut milk, you know, like real ingredients. Yeah, I, I'm sure they have to disclose what is in Soylent, but... I mean, they're saying that they make everything from plants and they reduce waste because they don't require refrigeration. So I don't know if they irradiate the stuff or what happens that they don't need the refrigeration. So interesting stuff. So somebody yeah, dug into says, there. Yeah, it's got malto dextrin carbs oat powder carbs fiber protein fat whey isolate protein grapeseed oil fat potassium gluconate salt magnesium gluconate monosodium phosphate calcium carbonate methyl methane sulfur creatine powdered soy lecithin lecithin choline bitartrate and ferrous gluconate. Hmm. That sounds scrumptious. It sounds deliciously not um, natural. Well, magnesium and it, gluconate just sounds so good. <laughs> that's really good shit. <laughs> I think that's just. <laughs> um, but they do this thing called transparent labeling. So on the label, they will say, "No, it's not organic. No, it's not kosher. No, it's it's not GMO free." No, it's not allergen-free, and no, it's not gluten-free. So, <laughs> so what was the Canadians' problem? Like, did they give an actual? I I guess the labeling says it's a meal replacement, and they they're saying no, you don't get enough nutrition for a meal replacement. You could it could be a supplement, but the way it's labeled right now, they don't they don't think it's right to say it's a meal replacement. Because I guess if you if you think about a meal replacement, theoretically, you should be able to drink this for every meal, every day, and, sus- and sustain life. You know what right. I mean? And, and that's, what they, that's what they claim it is, too. Right, but they're saying it doesn't. So I don't know if it was the vitamins or that were lacking or what was lacking in it. But Yeah, I'd love to know like what exactly they said it was missing. Because you know, obviously, if you're going to say it's not a meal replacement, you have to have some sort of standard for what a meal has to consist of. Right. You know, like, is there like like a certain amount of protein, a certain amount of fat? See, I'm thinking if it's a meal replacement drink and you could drink this, like then theoretically you give it to the astronauts when they go up into space for a year and they're going to live and be fine. And if you can't do that, then is it a real meal replacement? You know, what the hell happened to Canada? When did it come to a bunch of pussies? Because I'd like that they're pushing back on this. It's like, Hey, don't call it a meal replacement if it's not a meal replacement. But shouldn't you let people kind of like just buy this crap if they want to buy it? And Dude, how much crap is labeled like low, you know, 
the low fat, the organic, like they, they mess around with that labeling all the time. But why are we trusting the government for this information? Shouldn't we be going to like doctors for this information? If you like bring this can or this jar of stuff and be like, hey, should I be eating this as a meal? Like I'd rather have my doctor tell me that than the government. Oh, you, actually, they say if you're going to start doing something like eat soil every day, you probably should see a doctor. <laughs> you should have like your blood levels test, you know, your blood tested to see what all your uh, nutrition <laughs> levels are. It's like family. Uh, I think it was family guy. Like, mm, this is this is great cereal. Yes, and there's a magical surprise in every box, and it's called diabetes. Ah. You know, I mean, yeah, you can you can drink you can eat that every day too, but that's all like, past that all past the FDA's regulations, all that dog shit, right? Those sixteen and, grams of sugar, Lucky Charms. Yeah, and now you look at the the labeling. Usually, they go um, most cereals now are about fifteen grams of sugar in a serving, and but now they're all advertising uh, made with whole grains, and it's like okay, just because you slap whole grains on the box, and the grains are probably better grains than you used to use. Overall, that cereal still probably isn't the best choice for your little kid that may have hyperactivity or, you know, get really jonesed up after having a lot of sugar because there's a lot of sugar in that stuff. It's complete dog shit. So like, they, all cereals are dog shit. It's just the labeling, you know, so they slap a label, oh, it's healthy or, you know, all natural. And it's like, yeah, all natural sugar is still sugar. I mean, you know, I mean, now even made natural. With coconut sugar or now, made, you know, it's always some sort yeah. of you know, alternate sugar they're trying to brag about. But it's your body still goes, this is fucking sugar. Yeah. I mean, and, and even you, you need to know it's not even just about labeling. It's knowing what you're eating. Like if you take even the, um, you know, they have like the canned peaches in water and it's all natural because all they did was they put the peaches in the water. Well, those peaches are natural sugar. So it's, it's a ton of sugar you're eating. It's a different type of sugar than, than the, the crappily to digest one. But if you eat that, your sugar is going to spike up and it's, you know, you got to really look in, and understand what you're eating. You know, and listen, if you're getting the pan, the canned peaches, you get the one in the syrup. Those are good ones. You go all in. You go balls deep. That's what I said. You're going to get them. That's the way you got to go. I like my canned peaches once in a while too. Oh God, the syrup. Syrup is so good. Get them, put them in the fridge for a little. They get nice and cold and you just, mm -mm. I used to hate fruit salad too when I was little because we used to go to this, this, at the end of every Little League year, there was always this baseball dinner and they always served fruit salad. I'm like, I hate this goddamn fruit salad. And then I got older. I'm like, I got into my teens. I'm like, this shit is good. And it doesn't suck what fruit salad has become these days where it's all just full of like shit melon. Yeah. It's like full of cantaloupe and honeydew. Yeah. No, I want the cherry in there. I want the pineapple in that. I want, yeah, pineapple. I want peaches. I want freaking strawberries. Yeah, it's good stuff. Keep your dumpster melons. Dumpster melons. Yeah, I'm not a big fan of the, uh, like if I want cantaloupe, I'll eat cantaloupe. I don't want my cantaloupe in my fruit salad. And if if I'm having cantaloupe, there better be prosciutto wrapped around it. That's right. Otherwise, you're wasting my fucking time. See, I like watermelon, berries, strawberries, and um, and pineapple, and maybe cherries in a fruit salad. That's fruit salad. No that's melons. That's like a high-end fruit salad. I like that. That's, that's like a berry. That's the shit that you want. You mix that with yogurt, you can have it with anything. Just that shit is good. And if you know what? If you throw some mango in there, you're my <clears> best friend. Oh, yeah. Mango's good stuff. Mango's great. My mom cut up a mango the other day, and I don't know how she does it. I think it's because she's old and Puerto Rican. She knows how to tell when an avocado is ripe and a mango is ripe because I fuck up both of those. Dude, like, an I- avocado is ripe for six minutes. 
Magic. Yeah. <laughs> it's like how do I... hard as fuck <laughs> six minute window. It's all disgusting after. Uh, mine is they, they, they feel good. And then I open them up and it's like, they're all fucking like brown. I'm like, God damn it. You know, the whole outside is brown. I'm like, it's rotted. I, I don't know what I did. I cut one today and I look inside. I'm like, what the f- like, how is this white inside here? It was like, it was like a chunk of almost looked like cotton was in there. I'm like, you what know, happened? You know, I got the other day, I got the, um, uh, holy guacamole. That company makes a holy avocado and all it is, is not guacamole. It's just mushed up avocado and it's chunky. Mm-hmm. It is awesome because all it is is avocado. I'm like, all right, so now it doesn't have the spice and the seasoning. It's just plain avocado. I'm like, this is good stuff. It was really, I was surprised at how good it was, like for just avocado. Do they put some sort of preservative in there? Because their like their guacamole lasts a little bit too long. I don't know. I get the single serve because I don't like opening up a whole big thing of guacamole and then eating a little and letting it sit there because then it browns. Right. We get the one from Costco. They have a three pack, so you can like, oh, okay. you can freeze them up. Like they freeze get, really well. I get the single pack, the the single serve ones. Okay. They, they have those in Costco too. They're like a little smaller, and then I'll just take out like some. You know, I, I get the Trader Joe's, you know, the whatever chips, the flaxseed chips. Oh, those are just, awesome. Oh, I just sit there and chow. Good. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know how my mom did it. She like, she cut up this mango. I was like, this is, I don't know how this mango is like, the, she's like, oh yeah, you got to eat them. And it's like, you don't have a choice. Like it's ready now. You're eating this mango. <laughs> yeah, seriously. You can't, you can't, you can't really dictate with the mango when you want to eat it. The mango yeah. kind of runs the show. You broke a tooth. You got to eat this mango. I'm sorry. This shit's ready. Like, yep. And so is the avocado. You're eating that too. <laughs> God, I love what's like, is it like the sushi places have like those like little towers where it's got the mango and the avocado. Or there's oh, some like really? sushi rolls. I think that have like mango, avocado, and salmon. Well, I like where they do the, so if you go into the supermarket, you buy the avocado and then you get the, it's the Makoto, um, Makoto ginger dressing in the set in the like in the produce area mm-hmm. and you put that on there it's very similar to like uh some of the sushi places do an avocado salad and what they do is they do the slice avocado and then they put that dressing on it and that dressing is awesome it's like spicy ginger it's like fresh spicy ginger it's awesome okay nice delicious i'll actually get that dressing and pour it on the um uh, holy avocado <laughs> because there's no flavor in it and you just mix the two and then you, you dip out of there. It's awesome. Oh, I am Jones and for friggin' chips and guac right now. <laughs> <laughs> Once he has, it's good, but yeah, look for the Holy, I think it's called Holy avocado. It's, it's like, they have the chunky one and it's really, I was surprised how like fresh tasting and like, I was like, Oh, this is just fresh guacamole, uh, fresh avocado. I was like no seasoning. Nice. But now I'm starting to mouth water too. <laughs> well, now for all those times when you ha- you buy avocados and you <laughs> cut them open and they're all brown and shitty inside, you just you, like you just want to just take that avocado and just just chuck it through a window and get you know just take your anger out on it. Luckily, there is now a place in Singapore that will help you get out your frustrations. It's called the Fragrant room and it's a rage room where you are encouraged to let down your walls and release your inner frustrations so your boss shouted at you so your train broke down today wouldn't it be great to go somewhere and release your rage that's what this place is all about 
you pretty much get a room. Um, you have all this gear and you just get to go in and just break stuff. Nice. Just go nuts, right? Just go nuts. Just go crazy. Like you can actually release all that primal rage that society has trained us to just shove down deep and forget about and, you know, drink and medicate away. This place wants you to just rage against that, which I think is very important in society. Oh, it's, it's freeing because think about like, so I've had the luxury of living on my own for a little while. And I tell you, when you live on your own, like as an adult, with means to live, you know, at a nice lifestyle, like you actually really have to work hard at desensitizing yourself to a lot of shit that you've been taught by either when you grew up or by people you lived with, or if you were married, like things like this is the way we do things. Now we don't put dishes here. We don't do this with garbage or, you know, like it really you start realizing how conditioned you are to thinking things have to be a certain way. And you do like a rage room where you break something. I can imagine that's got to like change your perspective on everything where you realize like things are not broken because we don't want to break them. You know what I mean? Like where you realize like it's, it's, it's something that you've decided to do, not something that you have to do. You know what I mean? Like live in a society, be nice to people. Like, it's something that you've chosen to do and, and you do it and you feel better about knowing that that's what you're doing rather than feeling that you have to, you know? Yeah. Yeah. There's so many things that we just accept because we've just always done it, you know, we're very momentum based. And if you, you know, you're used to doing things a certain way because you've always done it. And then you can somehow take a look at yourself outside of yourself. You can come up with different conclusions on how things can be done. And a lot of times that can be super liberating. Yeah. So this uh, this place here, they have different packages, and the basic one is called the single, and you get thirty minutes, just one person. You get one crate of breakables and a baseball bat. Damn. And there's the annihilation package, also one player, but sixty minutes, unlimited crates and a baseball bat. Wow. And there's also add-ons you can get. Like you get beast mode, which is one extra crate. You can get a crowbar for $28. Nice. And some Yeezy 950 <laughs> boots for 19 bucks. Okay, the only thing about this, it sounds a little too creepy like saw. Like, yeah, I want the chainsaw and the baseball bat and you get the room. Like, <laughs> that's awesome though. Yeah. See, I mean, that's I'm not a sure fun thing. Your own weapon too. Like, I'm not sure if you could, like, if you had like a, like a battle axe, yeah, you with you. Yeah, a sledgehammer. Like M80s. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. I want a chainsaw. I want to chainsaw the shit out of like a bunch of wood stuff. That'd be kind of yeah. cool. Yeah, I'm sure. Uh, I'm sure you can get pretty crazy. That would kind of be like a fun night out. Like you could do the escape room and then do the break room. <laughs> The problem is if you drink too much and confuse the two. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> well, you'd get out of the escape room then. You just break everything. That's true. But that's crazy. You know there's got to be people that have a fetish about watching people in these rooms just breaking stuff. That would actually be really cool if there was uh, – if they had like live cams up and you could watch people. Yeah. You could – you could actually classify it as therapy for people watching and people doing it. 
hey, esports is a thing now. This is uh, not far off of that. Oh, can you imagine how like UFC dudes like just breaking shit? Like, how much stuff can they break in like thirty seconds? Well, that should be like the X Games version of the world's strongest man. Oh yeah, you get them in there. You get them in a roid rage, and you just chuck them in the room. It's like big heavy stuff in there. Uh, yeah, there's nothing like, so you, you want a baseball bat? The baseball bat weighs like 200 pounds. <laughs> you give him a tree. It's a tree. You get a tree trunk. Oak tree. You pick up the tree and just start. Swinging it around, yeah. <laughs> that would be pretty funny. Right? Wow. Right. I got one more story. You want to finish this off for the week? Yeah, so Elon Musk, um, he decided uh, with the tragedy in Puerto Rico um, to send a bunch of power walls, and they've landed in Puerto Rico as of Friday, October 13th. So um, uh, Musk suggested the company could help with Puerto Rico's electricity crisis. It's good for him. It's good for for Puerto Rico because it would showcase the power of you know his, his power wall and um, – you know, uh, solar technology, uh, you know, so, so ultimately he's helping everybody out, but it's still giving visibility to the fact that like, this is maybe how we should be living. And I think overall it would help the economy there to say, look, you know, now you're on the most current technology, like you got, you're going to have a lot less problems from this point forward. So I think it, it's a win-win for, for everyone. And, um, the, um, Governor of Puerto Rico, uh, you know, invited them, uh, invited Musk, said, yeah, if you can help us out, that'd be great. Uh, so they actually sent the stuff over and it got there. And they're saying it's likely the power wall battery packs um, are among the gear and that um, they're saying as of as of that time, which I think was uh, around October 14th or so, uh, about 85 percent of Puerto Rico is still without electricity. So, so now I know this personally because I still have relatives there and they're not leaving. Uh, I have one relative that came over another relative that's uh, staying there, but uh, we're sending over uh, money, food, whatever we can for them because they just don't, they don't have access to the stuff as easily as, as we take, we take for granted. Um, and then I have another uh, relative that they finally got food and water uh, supplies but they have to drive into town. We sent them some packages. They didn't get them yet. And it's been like three weeks. So it's kind of like there things are just a, a shit show there. So um, definitely they said uh, they're without power. And that's one of the hardest things to deal with, you know, in, in modern society. It's, it's just tough. So this, uh, this would help uh, a lot of people there. Um, and it's funny, like, so before this, I was looking up, well, how many people live in Puerto Rico? Because I heard a, a thing of like, you know, I heard a statistic. It was like 2.2 million registered voters. And I'm like, that's a lot of registered voters. So there's got to be a lot more people. So it's about 3.4 million people in Puerto Rico, um, according to the census. And I looked up the, the, the same year census uh, numbers for other states. And it's probably better. It's probably bigger than about 20, 20 of the, uh, of the states, 21 of the states, including uh, District of Columbia. So it's pretty incredible like to see like, wow, there's a lot of people on that little island, you know? Yeah, right. I never thought it was that many. Yeah. So um, 
so it's incredible when you think about, oh, well, it's just Puerto Rico. It's little, right? It's like, well, there's a lot of people that are affected. You look about 80, 85% of 3.3 million people, 3.4 million people is a lot. So, yeah. Yeah, there was a, an article today and they were talking about the you know, Tesla and the power wall and the solar. And they, uh, they got it running at a children's hospital, which is great to see. Nice. Um, yeah, it was I'm trying to find the name of the hospital. I think it's good to get this uh, technology out there because I was actually talking to uh, some of my relatives uh, here in Florida last week. And I was, you know, it's one of the things we talk about a lot. So I get to read about Tesla and I look up articles now and I, I have some Tesla stock and, and I kind of just keep up to track with everything. And I was telling some people the other day, I was like, well, Tesla's not, you know, they're doing the cars and they're using the technology for electricity and they're um, now they're doing solar. I said, but they're also doing SpaceX. And just the, the ways they've pushed the envelope on all those fronts it's amazing because a lot of people don't realize like what what lengths and bounds the technology has come to because they they haven't kept up with current events and it's just uh it's amazing you know like they're amazed of like wow that exists it's like yeah it's and we're they're trying to get it into like everyday life which is good yeah absolutely um the hospital is oh man did i lose it again is the Hospital Del Nino in San Juan. Oh, nice. It serves about 3,000 children across the island. Um, the article says, too, like, yeah, there's still t- only 25% of people have electricity. Yeah. That's crazy, dude. Think about it every night, sitting with your kids, your whole family, you know, maybe neighbors, whatever, having a meal with, with either candles or battery-powered, you know, lanterns, and then having lights out and saying, all right, everybody go to sleep because – you know, unless we have extra light to go around, like, what are you going to do? You don't you have batteries. You don't have rechargeable stuff, you know? Mm-hmm. I actually bought this um, camping solar um, array that you, you lay out, and it recharges, like, uh, cell phones and stuff like that. So we're going to send that. Um, things like that, I think, you know, now it's a hardship for them. But I think in the long run, it's going to put them in a position where they're going to have very little, glow, you know, emissions because they're going to have a lot of solar you know i'm i'm hoping everybody winds up better out of this in the long run uh in the light of this you know tragedy but that's what you got to hope for and now if you know if you're talking uh from a strictly kind of you know seeing how disasters have played out over the years you know if you were if you were a savvy business person it probably wouldn't be the worst thing to go down there and, and buy some property because yeah. you know, just like look at lower Manhattan after 9-11, look at, you know, Jersey, Long Island after Sandy, you know, things just got rebuilt better. You know, a lot right. of the old infrastructure that was outdated, dilapidated, got wiped out and was rebuilt much stronger, much more modern and better. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, there's a reboot for Puerto Rico. I mean, they, everything got wiped out. Their infrastructure, was already crumbling, just failed. So that's got to be rebuilt. They got to rewire stuff. Like it's really, you know, they have to go to the lengths of redoing everything right now. And it's like, well, what would you do if you were starting today? Just even, even the base technology is better than it was years ago, you know? Yeah. So, And it's awesome seeing solar 
power becoming a legitimate alternative now. Yeah. You know, it's, it's almost, it's not even like an alternative. It's really just becoming more of a mainstream use now, which is, I mean, that's, that's the best because think about what there's no byproduct of, right. you know, I mean, it's whatever the panels are made out of, but there's no, there isn't that emissions waste, you know, carbon deposit like you're getting from coal or, you know, the, the possible, you know, disastrous results if you're using nuclear power. So it's, it's really, it's really dynamite seeing that. Um, I know I always look at those power, uh, the power wall and the Tesla tile roof, solar yeah. roof uh, costs. And they're, you know, they're not cheap, but they're still way cheaper than they were five years ago, you know, well, just, 10 years ago. And I think I'm excited. Yeah. I think I'm excited about like these tropical islands not relying on getting this import of like fossil fuels in to power their power stations and with pollution. Like now you have a tropical paradise that can be a maintained tropical paradise with solar. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's kind of like, that would be the ideal place that you'd want to go visit or, or, you know, people that live there are, would be just, you know, in such a better place than, than relying on Think about, it. I mean, for years, like, people supplying goods to those, those islands, you know, it's expensive, you know? So if they have to, if there's one less thing they have to pay for that, that actually helps their economy altogether too. You know, they could survive on a little bit better. So. Well, also think too, what's the most abundant thing a tropical Island has? Yeah. Sunlight. Sun. Yeah. Yeah. So. So I think it's, uh, Definitely makes sense. You know, I think pe- more people are looking at it saying, yeah, you know, this, this makes a lot of sense. And I think also the global warming is, is really hitting home with a lot of people recently, you know? Um, so I think people are just, you know, becoming even more aware that we, uh, you know, if you weren't on board before, I think you're getting on board now because you're seeing the effects of the long-term global warming, you know? Yeah. And as skiers, we definitely, are very concerned and want to make sure we're doing everything we can to prevent global warming and to keep winter snow sports alive and flourishing. Keep snow alive. That's right. Love snow. That's the one thing I miss down here. It's the best. Everybody, it's funny, Florida, like a lot of people, you know, that I know have, have relocated from up north and like, yeah, yeah, I don't want to go back to snow. I'm like, man, I miss snow. Don't you like sitting by a fire after being outside? It's great. You're in the mountains. Like that's 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 winter, you know? It's the best, yep. But I get it. It was really nice down here. It actually milds out. It gets really mild down here. It is like a it's like a fall. So it's more like a fall season than a winter season, you know? Yeah. But. All right. Well, I guess that about wraps up the podcast for the week. Yeah. Anything else you wanna add? No, I think uh, I think I'm good. Uh, go USF! I'll be at the USF game this weekend. Uh, raising the net and lowering the net. This is what I do. Look at you. Um, it's kind of fun to get to watch the college football game and their ranks. So it's it's kind of neat to go to the game. Nice. But yeah, how about you? You doing anything for Halloween? Uh, no. Well, it's the little guy's first Halloween. Going to a party this weekend, and uh, nice. you dress him up. Uh, yeah, I got like a little basic pumpkin outfit for him. So, oh, nice! Yeah. It's all—it's all about the pictures. That's right. 
we do have six billion of those. So yeah. doing that right. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Little, little baby pumpkin. I'm gonna go as my uh generic nineties grunge lead singer outfit. Which nice. I have this blonde wig and I love it. I like I wish I could grow my hair that long again. But <laughs> yeah. Old Father Time is kind of a dick. So he's uh, I don't I don't know why you don't go as Prince every year. Every damn year. I know. I need to purify myself in the waters of Lake Minnetonka first. You could have the whole thing down, man. I know. That's another <laughs> way to justify buying the purple suit. Yeah, well you could have the different princes. You have the prince, the purple rain prince, then you could have the you know, um, the butt out yellow outfit jeans from the MTV Awards. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> you <can do> that. <laughs> Maybe not at a kid's party. Maybe you go wait for the adult's party for that. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, Andrew, I'm just going to cut the ass out of these jeans. <laughs> <laughs> do you remember that, though? Yes. The yellow outfit that he had with his ass sticking out? Ass cheeks sticking out. <laughs> People lost their goddamn minds. That's awesome. It was a simpler time back then. The only problem with that is it looks all right, but then to sit down, like that's got to chafe after a while. You're taking the subway, you know, you don't want to be sitting <laughs> on the subway with your ass sticking out. You wearing you wearing those jeans with your ass sticking out? You are not taking a subway. Oh, and imagine too if it's like a hot summer day, you got like a leather interior, oh. just a swamp ass you're gonna have in that thing. <laughs> Yeah, it's not, it doesn't end well. Nobody, nobody wins nobody there. Nobody wins. <laughs> All right. I'm going to have to look for the craziest outfits that I see. Nice. All right. Well, that wraps up the podcast for the week. Thank you so much for listening. Please check us out on all of your favorite podcasting apps. Please subscribe, rate us. If you could, check out all our information, skibumpodcast.com. You can email us at skibumpodcast at gmail.com. We're on the socials, twitter.com slash skibumpodcast, facebook.com slash skibumpodcast, instagram.com slash skibumpodcast, Pinterest, SoundCloud. We're there too. And thank you so much for listening, and we will talk to you next week. Have a safe See you.